There you go. So that's why it's been such an interesting experience because I thought I was just learning to ring a bell, but actually you're learning a whole new skill set, really, and a whole new kind of culture. Hi, you're listening to the Fun with Bells podcast, where I, Kathy Booth, interview novices and some of the most famous ringers in the world to reveal the mysteries of this herd, but often hidden, art. Following the tragic death of her brother, my guest today wanted to learn to ring a bell to commemorate a year of his death. From not knowing anything about bell ringing, Nick Boyd has found bell ringing hugely enjoyable. She has rung at over 80 different towers and says she has met a lot of people and had a lot of fun. Hello, Nick. Hello, Cathy. So, Nick, the first thing I'd like to ask you is what would somebody see if they went to see some bell ringers ringing bells? Yeah, I think that's a really difficult thing to explain because when you go into a church, you can't actually always see the bell ringers. I mean, you can if the church tower door is open and they're all on the ground floor, but the bell ringers are at the end of this big long rope and the bells are, you know, are at the top of the tower and they're all tucked away in a room, usually on the ground floor, but sometimes on the first floor, standing, pulling these long ropes, looking very serious, tucked away in a part of the church that most people don't go very often. And actually, you can't always hear the bells very loudly either in the tower because they, they're kind of protected within the sort of surroundings of the brickwork and all the different layers that the tower offers between the bells and the bell ringers on the ground or first floor. You wouldn't necessarily know what they were doing. That's the kind of enigma of the whole bell ringing. It's a bit of a mystery tucked away in a bit of a church that's quite private. Do you have to be strong to ring a heavy bell? When you start ringing a bell at the end of the long rope, the bells are usually upside down. And therefore, to ring them and to control the rope, you just have to use the weight of the bell to, the, to make the bell ring as the traditional change ringing. So you don't have to be strong for that. You just have to know how to control the bell. Because they're so heavy, they can be dangerous if they're not controlled by that rope accurately. The bit that you need to be a bit stronger for is to get that bell in that upside-down position. If you imagine that the bells start off like a handbell, like you see on a doctor's surgery, up with the bell clanger at the bottom, to start changing ring, we don't ring them until they're the other way up, until they're on their kind of bottom and the clanger bit is at the top. And to get them that way, that's where you need a bit of strength because you've got to get the bell momentum going uh, with your physical little pulling at the bottom to make it go fast enough so that it gets that upside down position and stays there. So, yeah, people do think you need to be strong to ring bells. And you do need to be strong to ring some bells because, like, in some of those towers around the country, there are super heavy bells. But mostly, like in the village churches around here and things, anybody can ring any of the bells, even, even if you're quite little and quite young. It's more about the skill of managing the bell weight when it's ringing that's the issue, not the strength in the bell ringer. Right. So as someone who's never rung a bell, maybe me, why do you think someone should take up bell ringing? I really like the fact that 
an English tradition, well, uh, not just English, but mainly English tradition that's been going on for hundreds of years. And it's something that we're continuing. And I just love the image of those people in the 15th, 16th, 17th century doing exactly the same as we're doing today in that public arena, in that beautiful building that's really ancient. And I think it's a real privilege to to be somebody that's continuing that tradition. So I like that bit. I really love, I love, I'm curious about towers. I always have. And I'm interested in the spiritual side of being in the tower. I just love it. It's really different. You can see all the Mason's markers on the little walls when you walk up these little stone steps. And it's just, it's, you just don't get to see that bit of churches very often. It's very social. It's, you know, I'm quite a social person. Uh, it's, you know, there's, it's, it's not everybody's idea of a social night out, I have to say. And I've had to take a few swallows a few times. I have to sort of remind myself that I want to be in this room with all these people doing this bell ringing because sometimes like, people can get a bit grumpy and cross of you if you don't get yourself quite consorted with you striking. But um, that's all part of it as well. So you get your bad days as well as your good days. In, in essence, I think it's just being part of something that is a community that is traditional, that is public, that is physical, spiritual, that is fun. For people who've just started learning to ring and they may be struggling with the first part of the process, what would you say to them? There's a new system of learning that comes under the umbrella of art, which is the Association for Ringing Teachers, which is something that is a different subject altogether. But what they've done is they've brought together a learning process in stages so that when you're learning, I think it's called level one, there's lots of different little tick boxes that you need to achieve to get to your level one. And it's, it's very encouraging because you can see what you're meant to be learning to do and you can see what you actually learned to do. So you can have something that you're pleased with and you can see where you're going next. And if you're getting a bit stuck, then you've got kind of activities and things to help you where you're finding it hard. So when, because it is hard and people do get discouraged and we've had some new learners recently and one of them is really struggling at one point. And I think it's about finding where you're comfortable with, with your teacher and also a band that you enjoy ringing with. If you're not comfortable with the person that's teaching you or you're not comfortable with the people that you're ringing with, then it's harder to relax. And if you're not relaxed, you can't just do it. So it's just about getting out there and getting practice and a time on the end of the rope is what people keep saying. And, and I think some people do find it hard when they get a bit stuck and they can't move on. I, I didn't really have that because I found it, I didn't find it too hard to learn it. I found it harder at the more sort of hard, later down the road, I found it more challenging. But the actual learning bit in the first kind of year was just good fun to learn. It was a challenge. But I think some people do find it takes longer and therefore it's frustrating. I think the older you are, the harder it is. And that's probably, you know, the same for everything. But <laughs> and you watch these youngsters coming through and learning really quickly. And then you think, oh, why is it taking me so long? But that's just, that's just the way it is. The thing that I think one of the reasons why I would be a bit hesitant to, to ring is because when I was at school, I was hopeless at sports. 
So being in a team, I, I was always the person that would, you know, sort of not score the goals or let them in or whatever. And, you know, sort of I got a bit of a worry that that's what would happen if I did bell ringing as well. I'd be letting the team down because I wouldn't be able to do it the right way. Well, I think there's levels of being able to do it. So, you know, there's some people that can do it brilliantly and um, go on great to great sort of skill sets and ring different methods and different numbers of bells and different towers. Um, and there are others who just enjoy ringing in the simple rounds with a team of local community people that they like being with. I get that kind of thing about the sports thing. I was a bit worried about that from the musical side of it. Because although I was all right at sports as a child, I absolutely am hopeless musically. And I was thinking I will never get this, what they call ringing by rhythm. <laughs> I don't have any rhythm. <laughs> so I was like, my husband was like, Nick, you can't even clap in tune. So, but, you know, different things are teased out of you. Um, and in essence, in essence, it doesn't matter because everybody is so, you know, there, there aren't enough bell ringers. That's one thing. So you're always required. You're always needed. And, you know, everybody's so welcoming and so keen to include that, you know, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be impossible to feel like that in a tower, hopefully. I'd really like to know about your experience of starting to learn to ring. I still think that I'm a really new bell ringer. I was talking to a friend about this yesterday and actually I've been ringing for nearly four years. So it's actually a little while now that I started ringing, but it came about some unusual start because I had never, ever considered or even thought about bells all my life. In fact, I grew up in an old rectory, which is right next to the church. And my dad used to hate the bells and the dogs hated them. And it was a real in, you know, inconvenience when we were kids. And I'd never, ever considered ringing them. But my parents donated some money to the, these bells a few years ago and it just got me curious about about the bells and so I, I emailed our local tower captain got his name from the website I, you know just it was soon Christmas New Year I hadn't got much to do it was a dark New Year day and he had me over there the next day to have a look at the bells and that was so interesting you go up this little step to the church tower and just see there's a extraordinary huge beautiful bells it was just very powerful so yeah he had me up literally the next day so I went to see them the next day and I think the day after that he had me on a Saturday morning learning to ring and really it was after that it was so such a challenge and so interesting and so fun and they were so enthusiastic I just got a bug and I didn't realise at the time that it was going to be such a big, big bug, you know, a bug that took whole, hold of my sort of life so much. But it, it was really, I can't really explain it. It's, so what happens is you, you start to learn to ring these, this bell by just managing the rope. And that's all you think you're doing. You just think you're learning to pull this rope and control this bell. And you don't think one further step than that to start with. Uh, but there's all these little steps that you keep going towards that you don't know about before you get there. You get, so that's why it's been such an interesting experience because I thought I was just learning to ring a bell, but actually you're learning a whole new skill set, really, and a whole new kind of culture. So no, it's been, a, it's been an extraordinary journey and I couldn't have accounted for it at all. How did you learn to ring? 
Yes, I had a really interesting and fun way of learning to ring. Traditionally, I think bell ringers have been taught to ring within their tower by probably some experienced ringers, maybe their tower captain. And it would have been a one-on-one experience. And you would have been taught mainly by this person or this group of people within your church tower. But my experience was very different. I had a scheme, a learning scheme introduced to me by my tower captain and his wife, Margaret. And this is something that is fairly new. It's run by a association called the Association for Ringing Teachers, which is shortened down to an acronym ART, have developed a scheme for teaching students, which is called Learning to Ring. Okay. And what format did it take? You'll get given a little book, which I've got here, your personal progress logbook. And it's split into five different sections or five different stages, um, starting with level one, which is all about foundation skills. And that's the starting point, really, all about to the basic point of learning what, what parts of the bell are named, what, going to have a look at them in the tower and understanding some of the principles of the actual bell in situ. And then the rest of it, the next sort of steps in that foundation stage is learning to ring the bell and the very starting point to being able to independently ring. I think that's all level one. With your art association for ringing teacher, with that person who's had that training alongside you and with you on a very one-to-one basis. Right, right. You said it was tick boxes. What sort of things were they? They were learning to hold the rope properly. The pull of the rope is split into two parts. It's split into a hand stroke and a back stroke. And when you're learning, you learn each one of those separately. So the back stroke is when somebody else is really controlling the main weight of the pull, but you're taking on the other half of that pull with just the back stroke. And actually the back stroke is quite important because that's how you learn the action one of the main actions of bell ringing is how you finish off your backstroke. That nice long pull, which means you learn to keep a good action. It means that you kind of get in a good habit very early on of learning to have a good system that is easily repeatable and it means that you can keep the bell moving nicely and safely, actually, as much as anything else. Because the trouble is, with a very long rope, it can fly around the place if you don't keep it going up and down in a straight line. And that's part of the learning is just to keep that rope in its place so that it doesn't hit other people, it doesn't get wrapped around your arm, it doesn't get out of control. And so the very early stages are really just about one splitting that bell pulling action into two halves and then you're learning one on half first and then the other half. Okay. So that's... What, you start with in level one? Yes. And then what's in level two? So level two is more about bringing some of those skills into action. So ringing alongside other ringers, Ah. um, being able to keep control of the bell, bringing it into a round. So if you've got, like we have six bells, you can be able to ring with the other five bells so that the bell your bell is sounding in the right place and you're starting out that's really hard because you don't know you know the tension that you're um pulling 
on when you're learning to ring and the rhythm that you use when you're learning to ring on a tide practice when that's just you and nobody else ringing in the tower make the bell silent at, at the top of the tower there and you can have you can ring to your heart's content rightly or wrongly and nobody can hear it but as soon as it's not silent and you're ringing with other people your bell becomes part of the the, the whole kind of public performance and it really sounds much better if it's in the right place. And that's what level two is about. It's just learning to bring some of your bell ringing skills into play within the tower setting and the bell ringing. Right, right. So before that in level one, it's just you and the teacher. It is mainly you and the teacher. And I'm, you're, you're just doing lots of different exercises to to get the bell control. And some of those exercises are not just making the bell ring, but also making it stopping ringing. To stop it ringing, you have to make it stand in its upside down position and it's balanced on a what's a wooden stay to stop it, just keep it in its place. And it's big, heavy bell and you need to get it right up in the, up, in the upside down position carefully so that it stops nicely without banging, banging the stay ridiculously hard because that can break it and that upsets everybody and it's just so that that's one of the repeated actions that you do in that level one stage is getting the bell to stand at hand stroke and getting the bell to stand at backstroke and doing it again and again and again so that when you're ringing in the tower with the other ringers and they all stand you can stand your bell at the same time right right i see is it a bit like learning to drive yes I think learning something new when you're older, especially, is is quite hard to remember all the things that you're meant to be learning at the same time. So yeah, that is one of the problems is that you are given lots of different things to think about, and and there's a consequence of how this this bell actually performs. So I think yeah, there there are lots of similarities of learning to drive because you know you're trying to get the car into gear and to break it smoothly so that everybody else isn't jolted around. It's that kind of like trying to coordinate all the information that you've been given and and the other thing is that when you are learning you're quite nervous and you're quite anxious to get it right and you're trying your best and sometimes it works and then you feel so pleased with yourself and then the next time it's just rubbish and you're back to square one and you think you know your anxiety and your kind of tension builds up um, and that doesn't help you see because then you're then you pull too hard and the bell doesn't you know doesn't listen to what you're trying to tell it to do mm. When did you get the feeling that you were getting it and how, how soon did you feel achievement from that? The thing about the Learning to Ring progress book that's run by Art is there's lots and lots of little steps. You, you got through your little steps quite quickly because the steps were small steps. So it didn't go from learning to, 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 you know, from your first moment that you had your lesson to being able to ring the bell. That was miles ahead. And you wouldn't even be thinking about that. You could just have your tick boxes about where you stood, you know, how you stood. And then you get, you get that a couple of times and you could position your bell and you could find out a few little early starter points. Where, you know, you ticked away and you felt like you were off, you were on the road of learning. And then gradually, certainly in the early stages, there's lots of little things that build up so that you do feel like you're getting achievements. So you can stand the bell take the bell off the standing position using your hands better making sure your hands are following through beginning to learn to touch the sally they're all small parts that now I can't even remember learning those things 
when I look back at my uh, book, it, they were like two to three weeks apart. So it took me a while to get those little steps together. And I didn't realise or didn't think that it was any issue of the speed because according to the little book, that's the, I was just following the steps that were pasted out for me. So what was your goal when you first started to learn? Well, because I didn't know anything about bell ringing, I had no idea that it was even tricky to learn. I just turned up at the church thinking that I would just ring the bell and go home kind of thing. I didn't really realise <laughs> really that it was involved in all these kind of like hundreds of pages of little tick boxes. I was like a rabbit in headlights, honestly, Cathy. I had no idea. So I didn't have any expectations because I had no idea. I think if you had an idea, you maybe find it slow progress but I didn't because I didn't know what to expect once I started on this level one and level two which was kind of the early stages I I took a lot of opportunity and time to study what my next steps were and was keen to kind of get through them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and stages three four and five can you briefly describe those three four and five are moving on into the more kind of change ringing more uh, advanced skill set level one is really all about learning to ring the bell and control it and independently ringing and level two I mean a bit of a generalization this but it's all about probably ringing with other people and ringing safely so that you can be part of a round and probably ring at a church service I think that was you know maybe go in a ring round on a Sunday which is always a lovely big step Level three is more moving on to ringing for enjoyment and different challenges. So there's all these different methods of ringing, which means the bells ring in different order. And to change place and ring the six bells or the eight bells, however many there are, in a different order, you have to be able to know how to control your bell so that it can change places with another bell. And that's really the skill that you're or the assessment part of level three, ringing something called plain hunt, dodging, changing place with another bell a couple of times in a row, being able to learn to ring the bell up into its upward position so it can it's ready for ringing and then bring it down safely so it's safe after it's ringing and it's, it's down position. Um, and then there's a bit about understanding a little bit more about what the other bells are doing whilst you're ringing. So it's more advanced level three. It's probably the fun a bit you know it's kind of a bit the frustrating bit as well it's kind of like the bit that people get a buzz from because you're doing you're becoming kind of like a proper bell ringer and then level four and five are more advanced level four is really when you're starting to ring something called a court appeal it's all to do with the number of changes so it might say how many it is here but i think it's like 1280 bell changing positions in a court appeal and so it's four times that for appeal I, I've only ever done court appeals. I've done 14 now. So but then my first one was, I think, in level three. And then level four is when you're ringing more court appeals with these different methods. And it is much more advanced ringing. And not everybody gets there or wants to get there, having said that. But you are being more advanced in the fact that you're ringing not just the treble, not just the simple bell, but you're actually ringing more complicated inside bells and being able to ring for 45 minutes right an inside bell what's an inside bell when you start going into the inside bell that's where you're moving around much more with other bells and you need to know exactly what you're doing 
So different methods, different kind of tunes, I suppose, in a more sort of un- untechnical way, have a different order of bells and you just have to learn it. It's more advanced. It's great fun. It's really frustrating when you can't get it right. But it is the requirement to move through this learning to ring levels four and five. Right. What's the pinnacle? What's what's the last thing you do at level five? This is a quick break to thank our sponsors, the Association of Ringing Teachers, ART. You can find out more at bellringing.org, where there are resources to support your ringing, to find out how to learn to ring or to learn to teach. Now back to the episode. Well, for me, the last thing I did for my level five was a court appeal on plain bob minor, which is when all six bells are part of the ringing. So in the early stages, you ring the five bells and you've got the sixth bell at the back all the time. And then at level five, the sixth bell is included. So it's just one more bell that you kind of have to remember to ring with. And plain bob minor is a very commonly rung tune or method. And for me, the pinnacle was when I rang that inside. And it was, yeah, it's fantastic, actually, because I rang it just before Christmas last year. And everybody was very excited because I was the first student to do this art, learning to ring course in our, our tower. When I'd finished my level five before the end of the year, which we worked really hard to get it all done, fantastic, supportive way. Um, it meant that I then could apply to go on this masterclass, which they've had in Birmingham for, I think, for two years now. And it's really an extra day. It's a special day of ringing for anybody that's achieved their level five. That was great fun because I had to, you had to get it done by the end of the year to be able to go to the course that was run in September the following year. Um, and we just literally got it done. I think it's actually between Christmas and New Year that we did a couple of court appeals for my level five and one was before Christmas and one was just after and it was exciting. Mm. And what, and so the masterclass was the next thing that happened after the end of level five? That was the next thing that happened. So not everybody who does the level five, I think, goes on these classes, but I was very keen to go and my lovely tutors were keen to come with me because they were also invited. So it was in September. So it was a good 10 months or nine months after I'd finished my course. And, oh, it's just great. It was a, I actually even came back from a holiday a day early just to go on that. (laughs) 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 That just shows how it's affected my life. So it was a lovely day. We all went to the School of Ringing in Birmingham. I think Birmingham has got kind of an excellent level of ringing and they're very progressive in their teaching and have a great kind of philosophy towards their students. So they were running the day and we were uh, probably about 20 students and they had a few of them had, like I did, had the tutors with them. And then we were all matched with a one-to-one tutor for the day. So I had this really experienced ringer with me for the whole day, guiding me and teaching me about areas that I hadn't really had experience in before mainly to do with ringing on a higher number of bells. And because there were so many experienced ringers there, you could ring things you couldn't ever ring at home, you know, different methods. And we rang on eight bells a lot, which I don't ring on very often, so that was nice. And then we did 10 and 12 bells. And then the final 
tower that I rang on had 16 bells. You know, you don't get that opportunity very often. So it was really special. And what I loved about that day was um, the fact that all these ringers, particularly the, from Birmingham's, uh, I think it's called Birmingham School of Ringing, had put themselves out for the day for us. Yeah, it was amazing. Mm. Sounds really good. So what's next? You've progressed through all these levels and you've done this masterclass. Is there any progression or do you, have you, have you got there? <laughs> I don't think you ever get there. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, you continue little steps. Well, you, there's a, there is a next stage. I think art is quite new. The whole setup of the Association for Ringing Teachers, I think, is only about six years old. I might be wrong about that. It's not been going very long. And they've they've really done well to have engaged so many tutors and teachers to take their training and consequently spread the word through the learning to ring experience with the levels one to five. The next bit, I think, still is in its infancy. So I might be wrong and doing them injustice, but we've another logbook called Learning the Ropes Plus. You, you guide your way through it yourself rather than having a tutor or following the stages in the same way as you do to start out with. I've just been having a look at the different things that I can ring. It gives you different ideas, it points you towards finding out the things that you should be doing, like I should be learning to ring on more bells and sit. It's not so prescribed as the first stages are, but it's it's a nice guide and I think it will develop more as art gets more developed themselves right right have you ever thought about teaching I have thought about teaching actually yeah I've, I've actually got come surrounded by quite a lot of experienced teachers there's not much room for me to learn to teach no no whilst you were learning to ring were there any embarrassing moments or what was your most embarrassing moment if you don't mind me asking you can say you don't want to answer if you want well probably the most embarrassing moments is there embarrassing, scary moments? I think I think I've some scary moments of the rope getting tangled around my arm and once even nearly around my neck. <gasps> I know because you know because you're ringing. You know when you get a bit anxious and you're ringing in a different place and you you forget all the things you've been taught or taught to do at the very early stages and then the bell rope gets a bit out of control and that's awkward and everybody stops and people say stand and there's all kind of that all kind of very. Adrenaline kind of moment; those were embarrassing, but but also scary. But no, I think the most, probably the most embarrassing moments are when you just can't do it. You know, when you can't ring your bell, and you've been told three times and four times, and and you've tried again, and it still can't get it to go in the right place, and you know, you kind of feel like hopeless. But that's just learning. That's what everything's like when you're starting out. What did you like about the art course? Well, I liked knowing what I was doing and what I was going to do next. And I, I, like, I just liked the fact that my tutor, Margaret, she was learning, she was doing it as well. So we were getting quite excited together when we were kind of getting through these levels. And it, it felt very structured. I didn't feel like anybody was taking me further than I could go in terms of my capacity and um, ability. So that's what was exciting as well, because in one minute you think that you can't really do anything and the next minute you've got all these little ticks in your books and you you, you, you know, you know, you have achieved it and you think, Oh God, what well, I'm you know, doing quite well. Yes. Um, so I, I just like the fact that it was very positive. Yes, you found it very positive. Yeah, I really did actually. And I found all the interaction with 
the because the other thing is that you get with art, which I haven't forgotten to mention, is there's kind of quite a, quite a lot of backup on the internet. So uh, they've got a nice website, and you can do little exercises of listening, and you know all the things that you don't always have time to do in the practice. You can con- kind of consolidate with the materials that come with the course. Um, so I liked all that because I just couldn't get enough of it. So I was like, oh, I can look on the website and I can do these little exercises that they've given us and all the books and stuff that came with it. I can just take them to bed and read them and it was great. So I think it was more more rounded sort of approach that meant that you weren't just doing just your learning just in the tower. What did you find most difficult? I didn't think I could ever bell ring because I can't even sing and I can't clap in tune sometimes. You know, I'm ter- terribly unmusical. But there's something about managing that bell at the top of that tower, that lovely, resonant, traditional English noise that's been around for years and years, and you're doing it. You're not just doing it on your own, you're doing it with other people. There's something about the excitement of getting it right, which is better than the frustrations of getting it wrong, which, which, which are definitely there a lot of the time. There's something very emotional and a real kick and buzz when you can get that bell to move and make the noise, you know, at the, at the right time and with the other team of bell ringers. Yes. And you said that some of the later bits you found challenging. What what did you find more challenging? So, well, I found it challenging to get the striking right. And that's going back to my rhythm. And also because I got a bit anxious and that, not anxious like like going to exam anxious, anxious that I was I was just not relaxing properly on the end of the rope. It was just all about so so what was happening was I wasn't quite getting the bell to strike at the right time, so it sounded good enough for my tower captain and, and the other team. And you, you could sort of tell where I was <laughs> in the uh, in the band. You could see, oh, there's mine. Then you could hear me sort of a bit out of place, you know, when the, when I was ringing with a nice good band of people. But that just takes, it's just time. And I find it frustrating because I wanted to be better than I was. And I wasn't giving myself enough time to to achieve that. And as and the more I did, the more relaxed I became. And then gradually the striking has improved. But, you know, I've been learning nearly four years now. So it's, you know, it's, it takes a while. You said that your father didn't like bells. No, because the dogs didn't like it. And then... And then later you said that your parents donated money yes. to the Bells. Well, I mean, it's it, they donated money to the Bells because my, my young brothers very suddenly died and he was very musical and he enjoyed the Bells. And so when he was a teenager, he would go over and I, I don't remember him doing this, actually, but Mumford he did. He would go over and ring with the band when we were kids. I, I was probably outside. We, we grew up on a farm. I have no memory of him doing this. But they said he did, and they were just coming to the end of raising this £28,000 for this Bell Renovation Trust that had been going on. It's a really small village. There's only about 20 houses there. And so we didn't give very much money, but I think it was just because it was a contribution, something they could do, and it sort of fed back into what Bob had done. I think that's why they wanted to give to it. They still don't like the bells very much, but they've come round to it now that I ring them. (laughs) They've stopped complaining quite so much. What's been your favourite ring of bells and why? The bells that I like to ring most, but I've only rung them once, are the ones that we were talking about before, 
where where my parents live and I think that's because of the emotional vested interest from my brother but also that was the reason I learned to ring and I've rung there one time and that was with our band of bell ringers up here they all came with me to ring those bells on the anniversary of his death so that was really lovely so they'll be forever close to my heart has anything remarkable happened to you that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't started bell ringing? One of the remarkable things that's happened since I was bell ringing is the invitation to go up the tower of the church in the Isles of Scilly, which is where we were on holiday. I had gone bell ringing there and we were invited up to the top of the tower to watch the Red Arrows. There was only 10 people and I felt very privileged to be one of those 10. And we wouldn't have got that invitation if I hadn't been a bell ringer. Thanks to my guest, Nick Boyd, who explains how she got into ringing and the way that she progressed in her first four years as a ringer. Next, we have a short section where your questions are answered by an expert in the world of bell ringing. Today, Pip Penny, the driving force behind the Association of Ringing Teachers schemes for learning the ropes, provides the answers. We're hoping that people will write in with questions for Pip. But to begin with, we've got some questions that we've thought were ones that people might be asking, and she's got some really good answers lined up for us, I'm sure. So first of all, we're going to say that Holly writes, my daughter started to learn to ring before me, and now she's ringing with the other ringers, but I don't seem to be getting the hang of handling the bell. Should I give up? Uh, No, Holly, don't give up. I think you have to expect, if you've got, if your daughter's somewhere around 12, 13, 14, she will learn like lightning because they pick it up so quickly at that age. So I think it just, because we're adults, it just takes a little long. You're not quite so coordinated, not quite so slick with your movements. It just takes a little longer to develop the skill, basically. Joshua says he knows how he learns best. In his email, he says, I know I learn best when someone explains why I have to do something, but my teacher just demonstrates handling and expects me to be able to copy them. What should I do? Right. Well, Joshua, I don't know whether you know how you'll learn or whether your teacher understands that there are different ways of learning. But basically, you need to tell him that you have to have more explanation, more words. Now, if he finds that's a bit too difficult for you, for him to do for you. Try asking another ringer to explain why you have to do something. In fact, just keep asking people until you find somebody that tells you in a manner that you works well for you. I think that's the best thing to do. You can also, if you don't understand how the bell, the mechanics of the bell is working, you can try and get hold of a model bell and see how the mechanics work on the model bell and you get somebody to explain that through with you. The other thing you can do is try and get up the belfry again while the bell's ringing and see if you can see what's happening as the rope is being pulled. So there's lots of different ways you might be able to try and get satisfied by that. Right. Well, Pip, that's been great for this episode. We'll see you in the next one. Thank you. Thanks to Pip Penny for her answers to your questions. Please let us know your questions and send comments by emailing me at funwithbellspodcast at gmail.com. 
you can also send me an audio file of your question to be played on the show. More information, photographs and links can be found in our show notes at www.funwithbells.com. I'm Cathy Booth. This podcast was put together by a team. A special thanks go to Leslie Belcher, Nick Boyd, Anne Tansley-Thomas, John Gwynne, Sue Hall and the Society of Cambridge Youth for the recording of their ringing. If you're in Britain and are interested in learning to ring, then please go to ringingteachers.org or, for handbell ringers, hrgb.org.uk. Both websites have links to help you get started. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Fun With Bells. Do let me know that you've listened to the show. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. This is one of the many podcast directories where you can listen and subscribe for free. And if you've enjoyed it, please consider posting about it on social media so that others can find it. Next on Fun With Bells. There's something about controlling something, a massive lump of metal swinging above your head that's X times your body weight. You know, when someone says, oh, you know, I lifted 60 kilograms at the, at the gym last night, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, try two tons, mate.